Raptors Cage fam, what up? I am back. Um, Zach Wilson here. Uh, other Zach Wilson on Twitter and all social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram. I initially started hosting this show when it first came out. Uh, took a bit of a break. Jay and Umi stepped up, and I believe they are still doing this show. Um, we'll have kind of two feeds on this show, so I'm super excited for it. I, uh, I, my, my intent was to start directly after the NBA season uh, ended because I want to get a jump on covering the Raptors for this upcoming season on Raptors Cage, and I wanted to start literally the day after the season ended because to me, next season starts the day after the season ends. I was planning on recording this Monday, and I did record it Monday, and that would have been one day after Game 7 of the NBA Finals, which we obviously didn't get because the Warriors ended it in 6. But I'm excited. It's uh, I'm excited to be back in the airwaves, back on the podcast uh, world. I don't know what you want to call it. But, yeah, I uh, plan to be covering this season from Raptors Cage. I also write for Raptors HQ, so go check out my work there. Today I got Derek Murray coming on. He uh, He's a good friend of mine in the business, a great NBA draft guy, works for a ton of different places as we go over in the episode. So listen, he's got a lot of insight. Like He does not just have knowledge on scouting these guys. He has legitimate intel and insight on where front offices plan on going with their picks and what they want to do. So really, really take what he has to say serious because it's good stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, let me know who you guys want on the show. Tweet at me, at OtherZachWilson. Send me some messages, do whatever. I'll try to get them on. I'm, I'm definitely looking to have a, a wide range of guys, not just Raptors guys. The show will always be Raptors centric but we'll be covering the NBA kind of as a whole from the perspective of the Raptors and a Raptors fan and a Raptors reporter so yeah I'm excited uh you can follow us on Twitter at Raptors Cage let's get it Beyond excited. What is, is this? The, is this the third year in a row? Obviously not on this show, but I think in total it's the third year in a row that we've talked right before the draft. Yep, yep. I'm excited. I appreciate you having me. Oh man, I'm so excited. Uh, Derek Murray. He uh, we talked before. He has a million titles. He's an NBA draft analyst and a scout and advisor for uh, NXT Pro Hoops, Babcock Hoops, Basketball News, and anywhere else. No, that's it. I think it's only three places right now. <laughs> Looking for a fourth uh, coming up this week because you are uh, you're going for you're going to the draft, right? You said tomorrow. Yep, I leave tomorrow. Uh, Matt's going up there tomorrow morning. We'll be staying in the in the West End with all the players, and agents, and teams, and whatnot. So we're really excited to get to interview a bunch of guys. Um, really get to tell some stories on a pilot we're actually filming. So we're uh, we're pumped. Wow, that's awesome! You're going to be knocking on players' doors and recording them, like surprisingly surprise interviews. Yeah, it's the real, it's the real juicy stuff. Really helps people get to know him. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to get the clicks. Surprise interview with Chet Holmgren. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Well, uh, obviously, we're here to talk draft. I, uh, I wanted to get this podcast started literally the day after, uh, I guess, last NBA season, or are we still on this NBA season? Whatever you want to call it, the 2021-22 NBA season ended. And uh, so we're recording this Monday, which would have been the day after game seven. We obviously didn't get one. Shout out to the Warriors for taking home another one. But uh, I want to talk NBA draft uh, as a whole, obviously, um, because the Raptors draft isn't overly exciting this year. They just have the one pick at 33. And then there's some exciting Canadian prospects this year. So uh, I do want to start out at the top of the draft. 
because as a as a Zags fan myself, I want to know, is this going to be the year that Gonzaga will have their first number one pick in school history or will I be disappointed? If I had to bet on it, I do not think that Chet will go number one. Uh, I do expect at least today, 72 hours out, I expect Jabari to be the guy at one still. Okay, so. I feel like all year we were at, you know, Chet and Paulo uh, just back and forth, one, two, who is it? And then Jabari just kind of snuck his way in there. What really kind of propelled him to the point of, okay, now it's definitely him number one ahead of those two? Yeah, so that's what's really interesting is, like, that's where scouts versus reporters and, like, NBA personnel versus media, it's not like they're pitted against each other by any means, but they see this process very differently. Like after about 30 days of the college basketball season, Jabari and Ivy were one, two on a lot of team sports. Um, The media was just very slow to come around to that. A lot of Ivy fans coming out the woodworks today. Like, what did you not just watch the whole season? Like, I don't know what this is, what's happening here. Um, I think Jabari and Chet really solidified themselves probably about halfway through the season. Chet, obviously he is what he is. He's going to be a great shooter. He's going to be an elite rim protector, defensive anchor. Um, Still think he'll go two, 72 hours out. I think he goes two to the Thunder. I think that's the right pick. Um, Jabari, he's a full year younger. Believe, I believe he's 12 mm. months younger than Chet. So a lot of executives is okay, you've got a 6'10, 220-pound guy who moves really well laterally, can shoot the heck out of the ball. Yes, there is some development needed as a ball handler, as a creator. Like absolutely, there's no denying that. But as a defender, as a competitor, as a shooter, do you want Chet today? Do you want Jabari a year from now? with NBA development curve. And there are just a lot of NBA people that would rather have Smith today. So it's not even a knock on Chet in any way. It's that people look at Jabari and they just see tons of upside and they bought into that very early into this college season. And, and a lot of them still have him there now. Right. And I think this is why it's perfect to have a guy like you on the show, because I don't necessarily watch college ball for the prospects. I just watch as a Gonzaga fan and to see how the season unfolds. So I, uh, I don't necessarily deep dive on these prospects, but this year, luckily, being a Zags fan, I got to deep dive on one of the best prospects, and same as last year with Suggs. Um, and you said, Chet, you expect still to go number two to the Thunder. If the top two picks were reversed and Thunder or, and the Thunder had the number one pick, would you expect them to still take Chet, or do you think Jabari would go first, basically no matter what team was up there? Uh, I think personally I would take Jabari first, but I do think it's a very 50-50 split. The Thunder, if you look at them last year, they need shooting, which both check the box, and they need defense, with which both check the box. But I think Jabari is going to be a little more switchable. Like I think he could probably guard two through four mm. um, because of how well he moves. But Chet, like seriously, the innate rim protection, the timing, the length, you cannot teach either of those things. It would be pretty enticing for OKC there at one. So honestly, if it was the other way around, I would probably give it a cool 50 50 although today i still would probably still lean jabari Mm, okay now i know chet obviously is super tantalizing and no one knows what to think of him or a lot of people don't know what to think of him uh i know some people think that he'll just catch a shoulder from joel Embiid and fly into the third deck uh do you think his weight and strength will be that big of an issue or because like his instincts and his rim protection is so strong that it can make up for a bit of a lack of strength it is a little bit of both. I say it's a mix. One, if Embiid puts a shoulder into anybody, they're <laughs> going into a third round. So, that, so that's where, like, I do definitely, like, I definitely think that the physicality, the strength, the frame, like, it's it's concerning. There's no way around that. 
Um, it's not concerning enough for me to not pick him super high. And then the whole Embiid thing is like, well, Embiid would dominate him and Jokic would dominate him. Right. Well, yeah, they dominate everybody. That's why they're the MVPs. Like <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's so unfair to him. Early on, they're gonna go, they're gonna dominate Jabari, and they're also gonna dominate Bancaro early on. So I'm not necessarily concerned with that. That's um, okay. Yeah, maybe um, um, Embiid was a bit unfair, but even like say like a guy like Brooke no, Lopez. that's not even you. Like people, like people just generally speaking, that's the one that people go to. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I think while, while the weight is concerning, um, the length, he's so long, he's so yeah. tall, his arms are so long. And again, there's a difference between being long and then being long with innate timing. And that is what he has. Though the instincts around the rim are what makes him special. I think he can be a go bear level shot protector or a shot blocker rim protector to where you're not even going near the paint if he's down there. So I think he can become that kind of kid. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when you do your draft board, I know a lot of people like to do tiers. A lot of people like to literally just do their mock draft one through 31 through 60, whatever it is. Do you have like tiers that you rank guys in? And if so, like what's that first tier? Yeah. So on our big board on basketball news, we don't do any kind of tiers. It's just a straight mock, but internally we do have tiers where we kind of separate guys and we have a top four. It's the three big guys and Jaden Ivey. And that's the way most NBA teams have had it all year. Um, it's a big four. So that's that's the, the cutoff there at the beginning. Okay, so you have Jaden Ivey with those top three. Could you see him going above one of those three? Or do you think he's like almost in like a little B tier below those three? Or is he literally – yeah, he's right up there. No, I think he has a chance to go one or two. Oh, really? Um, I we talk, Yeah, we talked to some teams that in November and then even in March have – ivy at number one alone um oh wow and 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 yeah so there are a lot of nba people that think that way i think he's probably a lock to go top five i don't know what the kings are going to do smart money <laughs> no is one ever still on the big three <laughs> yeah smart money is still on the three big guys to go one through three keegan murray becomes an interesting guy there at four uh for the kings maybe matherin sneaks in there maybe they take sharp if, if ivy doesn't want to go which i saw today he hasn't even worked out or talked to them which is really interesting three days before the draft. So I think he goes low as five, uh, but I do think he's in that same tier with those guys. Okay. Okay. So that's what I thought. I look at most tiers and it's either those three and then Ivy kind of in his own tier or Ivy's up with those three. And then I think that's where it starts to get a bit interesting. What is your next tier looking like? Like how big is it? Yeah. uh, My next tier, I believe is three guys. Okay. And I go Keegan Murray, Benedict Mather and Dyson Daniels. Mm. those three are pretty interchangeable from the teams I talked to. They are very interchangeable. Everybody's trying to figure out, well, at five, six, seven, is it? And it's always one of those three. So I feel like they've kind of separated themselves. Um, you could put Shaden Sharp in there. He's just not there for me. Some teams do have him that high. I don't have him there. Um, your next tier up, it's the Shaden Sharp, Sohan, Johnny Davis, AJ Griffin, Mark Williams, Duran, that kind of grouping. This would be the next one now. Okay. So as I mentioned before, I am definitely not a draft guy. That's why I like having guys like you come on. Uh, but I do enjoy college basketball. And each year I kind of pick like a, my guy. And I put that in like mm-hmm. air quotes because it's not mm-hmm. necessarily a guy that I'm saying like, he can't fail because I don't, I don't scout them like that. I don't measure him like that, but I see one guy and I'm like, that's, I just, 
I don't think he will fail, but I'm not doing the research into saying I'm making this concrete. Uh, and it's usually not like the number one overall pick. I try to pick a guy. Uh, usually it's in the lottery. So I'll read you out my last five years and I'll, I'll let you pick a letter grade on uh, what you think, how I've done in the past. And then I'll give you my guy for this year. So I'll start five years back. So it was De'Aaron Fox, mm-hmm. Shea Gilgis Alexander. This one's a, li- a little cheap, but it was John Morant. I just, I could not see him failing, especially after watching that Murray State game in the tournament. Uh, yep. A couple of years ago, it was Onyeka Kongwu, which I know the the rumor's still out, or the it's it, people are still unsure. And then last year, maybe it was a bit of bias, but Jalen Suggs for sure. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think I've done in the past so far? I would give you a B minus. I feel like that's pretty fair. I think Shea and Jaw are like the only and real are, established. Shea and Jaw are awesome. I love Okongwu. We did as well. I think Okongwu, when given minutes when given an opportunity is going to be very, very good as a four. Like, yeah. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. Um, I was not as high on Suggs as, as a lot of people. Um, I, I think in the half court, he really struggles to create. And honestly, I didn't really focus in, you know, laser focus in on him this year to see how he did. So I just wasn't as high on him. Um, we actually, we mocked Scotty Barnes at four and took a lot of heat for it and ended up knocking that one out of the park. So we felt good and, uh, I don't know. The upside with Barnes is, was just greater than it was with Suggs, at least going into that draft. I think it probably still is. So Suggs is the only one of that list where he wouldn't have been on a, on a, my guy grouping. Right. That's fair. And okay. So did you feel like super amped as soon as you saw that the Raptors drafted Barnes at four, because then you realized Masai Ujiri agreed with you. And it feels like this guy never misses a draft pick. Like, is that the moment you knew that you had that right? It was a mix of, okay, we're all on the same page. We scouted this correctly. Then the other part was, okay, our intel was good. Yeah. And we, we got this right when everybody said we were wrong. Yeah. And then the other part is, oh, man, Scotty developing in Toronto. Like, he's going to be a monster. <laughs> so it right. was kind of all three at one time where it was like, we're happy for all the reasons right now. It's kind of funny. In January, I tweeted Jalen Suggs, Toronto Raptor. And that was a mix of being a Raptors fan and a Gonzaga fan. And then seeing how bad the Raptors were doing that season. So I was like, maybe it could line up that they ended up and then they ended up fourth. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this literally just might be correct. Right. <laughs> and then they took Barnes. But and I was like slightly disappointed just because it would have been cool to have a guy from my favorite college and my favorite pro team. But mm-hmm. as soon as they drafted Barnes, I was on board because I've known one thing is you never go against Masai or this Raptors front office in a draft pick situation. Yeah. Yeah. They hit home <laughs> runs like they know what they're doing. And that's why. That's why I think 33 is really interesting because picks 31 through 35, those are the best ones in my opinion, like quote best to have in the draft every year because Mm. somebody reaches into the twenties to take somebody and first round talents fall to you in that range. And that's, what's going to happen. Dude, my phone is just going crazy right now. Hold on, (laughs) hold on. I'm getting absolutely blown up. Let me turn this off. Dude, stop texting me. Hold on. We got GMs hitting him up, giving him live updates on the show. Yeah. I apologize. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get rid of this. Pause hey, if there's any breaking news, any breaking news, feel yeah. free to break it right here. That would be a that'd be a great hit for the show. Oh, okay. I apologize about that. No worries. Um, but first round, first round talent is gonna fall to 33. 
And I think there are some great options there. So I'm, I'm actually really excited, even with only one pick for, for the Raptors. Right. Okay. So you did give me four names. I asked for, for four names or so, or I guess I think I asked for a few and you gave me four of guys that the Raptors could potentially take at 33 and they were all around six, eight long. Was there a reason for that? Like, I feel like the rap, the Raptors don't really like that type of build. Do they like, they don't really have that many on their team. <laughs> no, of course not. It doesn't fit any kind of ammo. <laughs> but like it's true like do you not do you not think they'll go big or did you just go with these are the best guys available or did you really take into account yo the raptors literally only like guys who are six seven to six nine so this is gonna be their list it's a mix of what people know they like it's a mix of who will be on the board at that time uh, as well as partly who has shown flashes of skill that an nba team would want to develop uh it's a lot of different things like i would be i've Honestly, when I sent that list to you, I was like, I feel really good about this. Like, it's going to be one of these four. So I, I do. I still hold tight to it would not shock me if it was one of these guys. All right. I'll hold you to that because on draft night, I'm going to I'm going to text you. And if it's not one of those four, yeah. I expect some sort of payment. Uh, yeah. But we, we can go through those lists. I'll uh, I'll start at honestly, probably my personal favorite of the four. And uh, that was Bryce McGowan. I don't like it. it is the expectation here just like a more athletic, like Delano Banton 2.0, or maybe I just think that because they both come from Nebraska. Uh, I don't know. What, how do you see Bryce McGowan's fitting in there? This guy could be one of the best scorers in the league if it clicked. I mean, he's 6'6", 180. He's got a 6'9 wingspan, still 19. Uh, it can score on all three levels, like has size, length, really tough shot maker. The shot selection was iffy early in the year. But a lot of that was he's a young kid who came in and they were like, here's the keys, especially mm -hmm. when I believe his brother, if I remember correctly, his brother went down with injury and he was just tasked to do a lot. And he's, he's an athlete. He can play above the rim. He can knock down threes from all over the floor. Like um, there are a lot of teams that have a first round grade on him. That's why I think if he's there at 33, he's absolutely worth taking. Like he would right. probably be the guy. So I basically what I got off him because I didn't watch him a ton. And like I said, I don't necessarily scout these guys. Uh, but he literally just looks – I don't want to say, like, Ben Simmons because that's a very hard guy. Like, that's an NBA all-star. But, like, a 6'7", 6'8", guy who can literally go coast-to-coast -coast with a fairly tight handle, super athletic, can finish well. And then, obviously, you said the shooting. Ben Simmons doesn't have the shooting. But is that, like, a semi-fair comp, or, or who do you kind of compare him to? I would say not really. Simply because when you get up next to these guys in person, you like that's why that part of the eval is so important. Like Simmons is every bit of six ten, right? McGowan's right. Is and a lot and a lot thicker. So it's a huge, yeah. So like it's a yeah. So he's probably I think McGowan's is a pure two, which okay. I think is really nice to have. I'm not ever going to run him as my one, okay. But he's a little thin right now to run as my small forward. So I think he's a two. But again, he's a guy that in probably two or three years, every possession down the floor similar to the way Tatum and Brown are being used. It's like, hey, I know we're not the point guard, but we're going to run this offense through me. And that's kind of where I see it working, where if it really clicks, that's the kind of offense you're going to get. Right. And, I, okay, I'll go to the second person on the list. And you basically just, like, you produced this show perfectly because obviously Raptor fans love Canada basketball. Um, and this guy fits both molds as far as a Canadian player and then a guy who you're I guess kind of expecting slash mocking to maybe go to Toronto uh Caleb Houston obviously probably the best shooter of the group um would he be considered basically just like a solid three and D pick like they like they would look at maybe an OG uh but with slightly less upside or how do you see him 
Yeah, I'd see. I'd say three and D is is a fair kind of a fair, um, I guess, stamp to put on him. Not a great on ball defender, but really intelligent off the ball. Like he uses his arm as well, is able to rotate. Like he makes a lot of a lot of good decisions on the defensive end. And in high school, he was you know huge all American type high school player, five star kid because he can absolutely shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, at six foot eight and six eight two hundred five is going to be nineteen and a half on draft day. Shooter defender. That's how I would. That's how I would probably label him. Came into the year as probably a lock to be a lottery pick, mm. but the offense just wasn't there outside of the spot up shooting. Really okay. struggled getting to the rim, finishing. Not a guy you wanted to handle the ball the whole time. Like really, it's like okay, if if he's just an off ball defender and he's just a spot up shooter, how high can you take him? Because how how high really is that ceiling? So I do think if it works, it's a fairly low floor. Which again, a six eight, two hundred pound stretch four, if you will, is going to have a lot of value. And if you can get him at thirty three, Canadian kid, you do it. <laughs> right. And so, would you place him more? And I'm not saying at this level of shooting, but in the I guess JJ Reddit category, where it's like he's not going to put the ball on the floor a lot. Or do you think he could eventually become maybe like a Steph Curry, or sorry, a Seth Curry, where he can uh, maybe create a bit for himself, handle the ball a bit, or or you think just just three and D spot up not near the athlete but probably more of like a Jeremy Grant role okay where he's like a six foot eight you put him in the corner he can hit spot up threes but he can also attack a closeout and finish because he's big and he's a good offensive player so again Mm. he's not some super athletic like Jeremy coming at Syracuse put it on your head but like he's not gonna do that but he is a guy where he's not gonna run off screens all game like a Redick would but he's also not just a like Sadiq Bay. If like he's going to either shoot the spot up or he's going to pass it, or he'll just try to back you down. Houston's more versatile, I believe, than that. So I I think that's where the value is on on the offense. So you're telling me if Toronto drafts him and then they're they're creeping up into top three in the East, he'll just kind of leave to go to OKC to be the guy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They'll they'll pay him all the money and he'll come open and uh, open the floor. <laughs> I like. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's just because that would never be my mindset, but I just, I still can't believe literally like the same amount of money. He just, all that mattered to him was the role. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the next guy on this list, um, I didn't get to see a ton and I feel like that's mostly because he played a smaller role on a team that was strong. Uh, a lot of veterans, uh, Peyton Watson of UCLA. They obviously had a ton of returning guys and it didn't seem like he played a ton this year. Uh, but then again, I didn't watch a lot of UCLA. Is that fair? He more played like a lesser role on a good team. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I would say that's fair. So then do you see him as the, is he, is he considered the best like prospect on UCLA or is that like Johnny Juzang or, or someone like that? Um, I would say he's the prospect with the highest ceiling. Mm. So again, I believe he was a five-star coming out Supreme athlete. Six eight, long, bouncy. It's just he wasn't given any kind of role or usage that you would have wanted out of like a five star freshman. It right. is strange to me, to us, to many, that he came out, that he chose to remain in the draft um, after this season. I believe what did he what did he average seven minutes a game? Is that what it was? I, I think it was double digits. I thought when I looked, did he get up, up to double? Yeah, I so think he's got it was a 12, seven foot wingspan. 12 okay seven foot wingspan um he'll still be 19 on draft night i don't know we have him right now at 31 
But honest to goodness, I think his range is like 25 to 50. I think oh, it's just okay, massive. Yeah. I, I, it is very difficult to get a read on where he's going to go. But I do think of the UCLA kids, he has the highest ceiling if I were to click because of that athleticism. Okay. I, uh, so, so teams are just all over the place on him. It's more just a, a fit thing, I guess. Okay. Uh, uh, I think it's more of who has, I think it's more, sorry, of who has time to let him develop. Right. Um, okay. Now I want to talk about the fourth guy on that list. You sent me probably my least favorite of the four, uh, but maybe that's also because I don't know a ton about him. He just looks like a pogo stick. Uh, Josh Minot. I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily seem like the type of guy the Raptors would go for. So, so prove me wrong. So Minot, again, very similar, similar in a way to McGowan's, similar in a way to Watson, a freshman, six foot eight. Uh, let me see what we got as wingspan out. What was that? Uh, let's see, six eight, one ninety seven, six eleven and a half wingspan, nineteen That's years crazy. old. Crazy. Can absolutely fly above the rim. Skills of ball handling only average six points a game, but like a great athlete, excels as a play finisher, huge threat to finish plays and transition, switchable defender. I think he's a wing, kind of like a three four, depending on how big he gets, but kind of a three on the NBA floor. Again, I think of the four, Houston or Minot, part of me thinks McGowan's won't be there at 33. I kind of think somebody will take that offensive upside ahead of y'all mm-hmm. um, Houston and mine are the two where I'm like, man, I could, I could see it working because while Houston's more of a less athletic spot up shooter, Minot's a guy who he can get to the rim and he'll just put it on you. And then he's going to be a versatile defender too. Just great athlete. He fits the classic. Oh, what is Masai going to like mold of right. your six, eight long arm youngster. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe what I, what I more meant by doesn't like fit the Raptors mold is in, I guess he fits the Raptors mold so well that they already have like 11 players like him. So why would they go yeah. for him? <laughs> and my not is one to where it's still to be seen what exact role he fills on an NBA floor where McGowan's it's, he's going to be a shooting guard, combo guard, slasher, shot creator, where Houston's going to be your stretch four and a really good defender. My not is he's skilled at so many things. It's hard right now to, put a finger on this is what he does for you and that's where we i believe the raptors are a great fit because they can find that probably quicker than other teams can yeah and they can just pull every ounce of potential out of guys i just like no like all bias aside i feel like the raptors and then miami's up there too just pull the Mm -hmm. absolute most out of prospects yeah like that's where mcgowan's going to miami at like 27 or whatever it is is something that would not shock me yeah yeah that makes sense too Okay, I uh, I do want to get back to that initial um, of my guys thing before mm-hmm. we move on to talking about some Canadian prospects. Um, if you had to guess, I don't know if my previous list has any like sort of trend or anything. Maybe it's just the fact that all the guys either are athletic or have length. Um, but if you had to guess who my guy is this year, and he's in the lottery, that's that's the hint I'll give you. Who do you think it would be? This is also just Johnny kind of da- Johnny Davis. <laughs> is there a reason you said him or are you just kind of. He's the most Suggs like in this class. So 
I actually went with a guy who, and once again, this is all all bias aside, he is a Canadian prospect. I just love watching Ben Mathurin play. I think he's an absolute freak, and I think he, I think he's literally, in my opinion, a Camus guy. But then again, it's like, what do I know? Uh, do you see him as that? Like, I just, I literally like him better than maybe even the top three. You can. I believe that Matherin is the guy that teams want to trade up for. Mm. I believe of all this stuff about people trying to trade up into four, five, six, seven from outside. In my gut, Matherin is the target just for what that's worth. I love him. We have him mocked at six to Indy. I think if he's on the board, you got to take him. I think if the Kings were to take Ivy, which again, who knows if they're going to do that with having not worked out and not talked to them and all that good stuff. If you're the Pistons, I think he's a great guy next to Cade. Now, are you willing to leave Keegan Murray on the board? Yeah, very different floors. Keegan Murray, very high floor, maybe a little bit less upside. Matherin, maybe a little bit more risk, I guess, but the upside is crazy. His off-ball movement, the shooting, the athleticism on day one, like he's an elite athlete. Uh, I think he's a threat to go as high as five if some things fall a certain way, but I think guys are going to want to go up and get him. really do. Yeah, when I think of, of Mather and I, yeah, I just have that one. I forget who it's against. It was in the tournament. It was almost a standing dunk. It was like a two-step dunk, and he just cocked it back and like threw it down right on someone's head. I, I, can't, for, I can't remember the guy. I don't know. Do you know which play I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. It was near the end of the tournament. Uh, it was like a really close game. They were losing. I think it was TCU, maybe. Was that the really close game with Arizona? Oh, TCU? yes. Yes, brought it all the way, yeah. brought it all the way back. Crazy. Off the, off, off the, off the cut, yes crazy uh yeah that's one of the, the one of the best highlights of march madness <laughs> yeah and maybe that single play alone is the reason why he's my guy and just like maybe that buzzer beater versus ucla was the only reason that Suggs was my guy um yeah uh, with the highlights and that would be a fine reason <laughs> <laughs> okay i want to obviously he's the the probably the number one canadian prospect another canadian prospect in the lottery Shaden sharp did he just sit out this mm-hmm. year like i honestly don't really know what happened there's a lot of takes about what happened, how it went down, all this good stuff. He left Dream City Christian. Um, so he played in EYBL, shot up to number one player in the country last year, was at Dream City, um, enrolled early at Kentucky, and then basically because of a combination of birthday and transcript rules, was able to declare without playing a minute at Kentucky. So he was enrolled there. You know, I believe the understanding is practiced with him. And then Matt and you know, a couple teams now, I've seen him in private workouts, been able to have him in. So, enrolled at Kentucky. Technically, he is Shaden Sharp from Kentucky, mm-hmm. even though he never played a minute for him. Um, but that's why he's eligible. So, has he just looked really good in workouts? Like, why are teams still so confident taking him so high? Yeah, I mean, at 6'6", 200 pounds, long arms, seriously can do it all. He can dunk on you, put you on a poster, he can grab any rebound he wants to. He can run the pick and roll for you. He can cross you up. He can play your two, the three. Like, seriously, he's, he is uber, uber talented. And there's a reason he had shot up to number one in his high school class. The risk is just no one's really seen him play competitive basketball since EYBL last year. Right. That's, a, that's a long time not to play ball. Um, yeah. So there are questions. It's if you're a GM with job security, can you take him? If you don't have it, do you need to take the risk and not leave talent on the board? I think he goes anywhere from 6 to 12, 14. I think it's pretty wide range, but I, he'll go in the lottery. 
Okay. And then the other Canadian prospect, uh, I guess technically not in this draft anymore that I have some questions about, uh, Leonard Miller, correct? He was supposed to be in the draft and then he decided, no, I'm going to go G League. What what fully happened there with that? Like, why did he not want to enter the draft? Is he just wanting to play out another year to hope to get drafted higher next year? Or, or what, what's that? Yeah, that would be the short version. So he went to the combine. He looked okay, measured very well, tested well, had some flashes kind of, of, of the skill and dominance in the scrimmages. But I texted Matt about halfway through that first game where the defense put him in a double drag, and he had absolutely no clue where to go. Um, his man just slipped wide open to, to the rim. I texted Matt and I said, this game is moving really, really fast for Miller. Like the speed of this game compared to competition he's usually played is moving really quick. So I think that the G League was the correct call for him. I think if he was stayed in this draft, you're probably looking 25 to 35. I think he, if he plays remotely well next season, he's a bona fide first. So I think it was the right call for him. Go and develop. Uh, play against play against grown men and pros and get the let the speed of the game come to you. So I think it's a great call. I think he's a bona fide first round pick next year. So if he stays in this draft and he goes within that range, is that literally the type of prospect guy that Masai likes to go for of just look at the upside here, like we can develop him? Look, if he was in the draft, I'd mock him at 33. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess yeah, being a Canadian it, helps. Yeah. Um, I'd put him at 33 or even at the end of the first. Okay. Um, you know, yes, yeah, like Golden State at twenty-eight. Like they're so good and young now, you can you have a time where you right. could let somebody develop. He did twenty-seven, same thing. But yeah, it was the right call. Okay, and then the last Canadian, or maybe I shouldn't say the last, but the last Canadian prospect I have on my notes here. Um, obviously a member of the Zags, Andrew Nemhard, a guy who I actually grew up playing against a lot. He was a few years younger than me, but he always played up, and he was always so good. I know the stats wouldn't necessarily maybe agree with me. I feel like he has to become a bit of a better shooter. What do you see that he needs to work on? What are his strengths? And then where do you kind of see him going in the draft? Yeah, he really improved as a true floor general from his time in Florida over to Gonzaga. You know, vast improvement. is in total control at almost all times on the floor. Plays at his own pace, doesn't get sped up, doesn't get rushed into bad decisions. Trusts teammates, trusts himself. Uh, I think he's reliable. I think he can play backup point guard for a long time in the league. We've had him mocked in the 40s for most of this process. I saw – I talked to a couple other teams, talked to some GMs this last week who said, I think he goes early second. So Mm -hmm. I I, I think that that hype is probably real. Um, But he's getting a lot of love around the league right now. Mm, I like that. Okay, now to cap it off, who do you guys over at – I guess whichever I don't I know you what do you have three three different mocks with your with with your uh, different companies? Who do you guys have going thirty three to Toronto, or who do you personally? I don't know. Yeah, as of the recording moment right now, we have Bryce McGowan's. When we update it tomorrow, I expect it to say Caleb Houston because you expect Bryce McGowan's to go higher. Because I think McGowan's will probably go higher. Um, and I just think Houston fits fits the need there. I do. I would personally, I think I'd be more excited about McGowan's. I like Houston. Um, as you said, I think um, I think the ability to dribble and create their own shot is something that Toronto really likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like basically everyone on the team can do that. Even Precious Achua started doing that towards the end of the year. So I don't know how big I am in Houston, but I can't knock a Canadian guy. Uh, Derek, 
have fun at the draft. Anything you want to, you want to shout out? Thanks so much for coming on. No, I appreciate you. You know, just having me as always uh, means a lot. I enjoy talking draft and you're happy to do a recap as well. Cause you know, whoever the Raptors take is going to end up uh, averaging 15, five and five in a couple of years. So, right. They're going to take a guy who you don't even have on your mock. And then he's going to make like all NBA, all rookie second team. It's going to be an international player I've never heard of. I still remember. I can't remember if this is the same draft, but uh, I was so ready for semi Ojale, and then they took Pascal, and I was like, what is this? Yeah, who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and now we know. Uh, Derek, I appreciate it. I uh, Thanks so much for coming on.